welcome back to Tattoo Homewreckers, a podcast where we sometimes talk about tattoos, mostly talk about life and everything in between. My name is Calista. This is Lou. And today we have a special guest. Kyle. hey <laughs> Kyle won um, one of our raffle prizes for our fundraiser, and that was to be a guest star on our podcast. So thank you so much for coming on. Appreciate Thanks you. Thanks for hosting the raffle. I'm glad I was able to Absolutely. throw a ticket into the podcast pool. 100%. <laughs> We're glad that you won. Oh my goodness yeah. gracious. Um, so how'd you hear about us? Tell us a little bit about yourself. So the first time I heard about you guys was actually through Mark Moots. Okay. Um, I was working in his house doing some home remodel mm-hmm. and I had heard your guys' name come up and I was like, I, I know those names. Why do I know those names? And he was like, well, they work in the shop. And then I was like, okay. And then was trying to put two and two together and really still couldn't. And then I went home that night and I told my wife and she was like, oh yeah, they do the podcast with Brandon Collins. And I'm like, oh, that's probably where I heard their names first. And mm-hmm. as a matter of fact, it was, you guys did an episode with with Brandon and he's tattooed both me and my wife. And I was like, well, they seem like cool people and had to get a listen on the podcast because I, I loved Brandon's first episode where he talked about his ayahuasca. And then I listened to your mm-hmm. guys' podcast and I was like, damn, a lot of really cool people out there that I really should probably be listening to. Aww. So that's how I first heard about you guys and your guys' podcast. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate you. Thanks for listening to our podcast, too. Every time people show up and they're like, yeah, we listen to your podcast, I'm always like, are you for real? Yeah. Because we're chaotic. Oh, yeah. I'm aware. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I very much forget that it goes out to the world until oh. people say something. And then I'm like, yeah. Oh, no. The world knows all of that information about you. Yeah. I not know it, but it's available. <laughs> yeah. It is available. We've shared some questionable stories yeah. on the podcast, oh, oh, for yeah. sure. Yeah. For sure. I've, when we I've, shit other people's pants. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever gotten to that episode. <laughs> no. Or the, my most most embarrassing <laughs> orgasm is probably yes. the one that I'm like, why did I post that to the internet? That because is why not? Oh, dude, why not? I said something to my roommates the other day, and I don't know if I want to say it on the podcast, <laughs> but... I literally said it to them, and I have been getting shit for it for the last, like, two months. And I'm like, I should have never let that come out of my mouth. Yeah. And they're just like, but you did. And I'm just mm-hmm. like, I shouldn't. That's what happens, though. I mean, honestly, when yeah. when it's podcast time, though, yeah, everything's just out in the open. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We, um, I just learned to actually trust her when she said that she is a uh, classic Reno driver. Yeah. Because I never ride with her, and when her car died the other day, we had to... This like, is an embarrassing story. Yes, we had to go follow her, and <laughs> she... And so, you know, obviously her alternator's dead, so we're just... Yeah. We charged the battery, mm-hmm. and we're a couple miles from home. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, cool. So we're going to follow you in the truck, so we'll be right behind you. So if it starts to die again, we know drivers just don't pull know what over. follow means. We no, just go. this bitch fucking ran we a yellow go. light. And oh, yeah. Like, You're supposed to run the red. That's <laughs> no. your... your <laughs> no. If you say you're going to follow someone that, okay, (laughs) saying I'm going to follow you is a verbal agreement to I will run red lights. And then she's like, she's riding on this dude's ass, and Caboose and I have they never were going ridden 35 and a 50. It was pissing me you off. You don't know if their car was going to die, and your car was on the verge of dying. I mean, period, bitch. But I was like, you know what? I don't so have time. Then she's like riding behind them, and Caboose and I are just there, like, I'm like, he's like, I'm surprised that she doesn't get like fucking checked more often. I was like, I'm surprised she hasn't rear-ended somebody. Like, she is up that person's asshole. And then we see her fucking... (laughs) No, but her power steering went out before she fucking... Yeah. It really was just like, look, bitch, the check engine light is the check everything light. (laughs) I said, 
wouldn't give me that broke because they were like watching me and they're like, don't do it. Yeah, she flicked the indicator and we're like, no, 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 no. And then she flicked it off. We're like, okay, good. Yeah, because a part of me was like, I'm not going to do it. But then, <laughs> but then she it fucking was, does. It was the blinker. It was her McQueen moment. It was the kachow. Yeah, literally. <laughs> yeah. Hits it, runs around Whoa. them, and then just takes the yes. fuck off, going more than the speed limit. Well, yeah, you gotta make so up time. So then... <laughs> With Thank a car so that has limited <laughs> energy. So we're just like, oh my fucking God. And then like, wait till the very last second to turn. So mm. she's like, there's been a turn lane. There's been an entire lane there that then turns into a turn lane. And we're like, okay. So it, I was like, is she just going to go straight here? Is she going to miss the turn? And then the last 10 minutes whips and is then still passing more people. So we're just like, fuck it. If she's fucking stuck on the side of the road. I, I had that thought too. I was like, well, if my car dies, they'll, they'll see me. Yeah, you'll be in front of them. But then also, here's the thing. Like, we knew. We knew this. I'm an Asian woman who is also queer. That's a triple threat. (laughs) Truly, we've been new. That this is probably how I drive on the regular. I don't think it's a threat. It's just, it's confidence. It's it's all confidence. Isn't that like... I mean... Confidence to the wrong people can be threatening, but you were just driving with confidence. No. I don't see that as threatening. Yeah, I was thriving. If I saw you on the road, I'd be like, she's got it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> with a car that's in the process of dying. But yeah. meanwhile, when her car died, just at an intersection. Yeah. So then when we had to come, she's just there like, it's stuck. Like, I can't do anything. Yeah. And we're like, okay, we're going to push you. You're going to have to pull a UE so you can get back into this, like, mm-hmm. gas station right here. And she's like, my car won't turn. She's like, the steering wheel's dead. no power steering. And you just I just gotta put it in neutral and crank it. This so, fucking muscle mommy over here. I just grabbed here. the steering wheel because like, she's still sitting in there, mm-hmm. and I just yanked it, and she's like, "I'm Dude, like, oh, you have like, like one-handed, yeah. just fucking turn like, that okay. bitch around." I was like, "Your job is to hold it." So she like holds it for a second, and it does that, and I was like, "No, your job is to hold it here." You had that yeah. mother moment where like, baby's trapped under yeah. a car, and you're like, "Baby's trapped in the car, let's go." Yeah. <laughs> I, she's never been left stranded before, and I grew up poor, so I got a lot of cars that were broken. I told you, I've lived oh that Pomeranian lifestyle yeah. for a while. She's never pushed a car. Softball and bitch. Like, so me and, me and my wife were stranded in the car once. Um, <laughs> it was Christmas Day. We went out to go no. see. Um, this is, this is going to be a beautiful segue, guys. <laughs> it was Christmas Day. We were going out to see my father-in-law and his girlfriend, and... Uh, I was driving my sister's car because my truck transmission had gone out. It was sitting in the driveway. Right. My sister was letting me borrow her car. Mm-hmm. We were on the way out to Fernley from Reno. Oh, no. And we just heard, chico, thuk, 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 thuk. And we're just like, well, that was weird. Got off the accelerator. Car went for a while. And then I was like, I should give it some gas. And as soon as I went to go give it gas, we just hear, kaka. And I'm like, oh, we need to pull over. Uh-oh. Flip the car around Christmas Day, stranded on the road for like Three hours. No. no tow companies were answering calls. Nobody. We couldn't get a hold of anybody. Oh my god! And if we could get a signal, we had like one bar of service, so it was like three rings, and then it would just be like that no service yeah. signal. We're just like NHP pulls up behind us, and he's like, "You guys good?" And we're like, "We're trying to call a tow," and and he's like, "All right, well, here's a few numbers. Um, if you guys can't get a hold of anybody, just." Dial star NHP, and I'm like, we don't have service. And he goes, have a good day, and just leaves. Oh my that god, leaves. And so <laughs> I, I ended up being able to call my best friend, and he came out. He on Christmas Day, like this is a mm-hmm. ride or die, homie. He mm-hmm. came out, looked at it, said, yeah, you blew a push rod. This car's dead. <laughs> oh my god, dead. 
So then he leaves. I we call another friend who happens to own a an auto body shop, mm-hmm. and he had a trailer. And I was like, "Hey, man, I can't get a hold of any of the tow companies today. Can yeah. you please come tow me?" Yeah. And he and his wife on Christmas Day came and towed us back into town. But being yeah. stranded on the side of the road, yeah. you're like, "This is super cool." Yeah, <laughs> like, literally <it> sucked. <laughs> no, honestly, I've never had that feeling before. So when it happened, um, so technically before it happened, I was like, "Oh shit!" I texted them, and I was like. Hey, my battery light is on. Do you guys think I can still make it home? And they're like, yeah, you should be good. Like, you know, the car yeah, started. I'm like, you're like like three miles. Yeah. yeah. And you've I'm already made it close If you've already started the car, the voltage isn't going to be an issue. It's totally. just, exactly. it's going to be recharging the alternator. Totally. And, and we didn't know if it was her battery or her alternator. Yeah, and that's yeah. how we found out it was the alternator. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But to be fair, I did pull off. So the exit mm-hmm. before our house, I pulled off because I was like, oh, things are happening. This is weird. Now all of my oh, lights are Oh, I saw the on. video of the Christmas lights. <laughs> the Christmas lights are on. And I was like, uh-oh, uh, it's getting darker in here. And then my stereo died. I said, uh-oh. So I pulled over. And, and I like, called Lou. And she's in the middle of workout. I'm like, I'm really sorry. I freaked out. I parked at Party City. Mm-hmm. What do I do? I it, Things are weird. Do you think I could still make it home? The car's still technically on. I just panicked. And Lou's just like, you know, I think you should be fine. Like, worst case scenario... Your car dies. We'll pick you up. It's fine. And then I get to the intersection. Immediately dies. I'm like, fuck! <laughs> Damn it! If I maybe if I didn't stop, then I would have been able to make it home. But no, I, I panicked and I was like, well, whatever. So yeah. And then she's just sitting in the intersection, and I was like, oh, she'll probably get like she's cute. Somebody will see her and then like push her out. <laughs> and then she's just sitting there still. And I was like, oh, she might not know how to push a car because like yeah. I'm so used to being stranded by myself and at dying intersections and i was like oh yeah you just get out and you fucking just push Roll it the window down, yeah. hand on hand on the, one hand yep. on the wheel one hand on the side view mirror and you just push by the a-frame yeah, dude. yeah nice. and she's just like what the fuck so when she was in there and she's like i don't it won't turn and i was like oh she doesn't know how to operate and caboose is just there being a man being like it's just because you don't have power steering and i'm like that doesn't mean shit to her right now yeah, yeah. i'm like yeah. bro i don't know what to do but yeah that's how i learned to trust her when she said she's a Reno driver because yeah. she is a fucking Reno driver. No, it, it really is like there. It the agreement to follow someone is no. it is a verbal agreement to I will run red lights. No, for you. period. Like, no, that's that's what it means. It's a game. The, that if hey. you're gonna say I'm gonna, if you're not comfortable running red lights, just be like, I'm not I'll following. S- anyone. I'll, I'll see you either on the side of the road or I will trail you. Yeah. <laughs> like, thank you. The girls yeah. are gonna get yeah. it. Girls yeah. don't. No. No. <laughs> Outside of Reno, that's not like on the East Coast. That's not how that exists. I live on the East Coast. That's how it like, exists. But I mean, I was still a Reno driver. Exactly. Just living on the East Coast. There you go. See, you get it. That's what. Yeah. yeah so, yeah. anyways, well, your, your your car did the thing that we were going to talk about today. It it tried to, anyway. <laughs> tried to. You you could resuscitate your car. Yeah. yeah. Luckily, it's mechanical parts. It's not living parts. It's but, not you human know, parts. When, 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 yeah, when the human parts give up, that's that's kind of one of those things where it's like, hmm, how do we get past this? And then it's, can we, or what can we do? Or is it just let it let it run its course? And <laughs> eventually, you just have to let it run its course. Period. It's the same with cars sometimes, though. Like, yeah. they get up there in miles, and you're like, all right. Am I going to be able to get another road trip out of you, sweetie? Oh, my (laughs) God. It's so sad. I I feel like it's the same with, like, grandparents and family members. It's, am I going to get another holiday out of you, Grandma? Like, Yeah. Dude, I think about that a lot with my grandma now because she's, like, 80-something. Sorry, Grandma. Um, And (laughs) I'm like, dude, I don't know if she's going to make it to my wedding. Oh, yeah. Like, I really, I I, I don't think it's going to be a thing. I love that you say that, like, 
Like your wedding is going to be soon enough that she's going to make it. It's not. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. And by, I don't know. I mean, like, that's that's a hard part. So do you guys ever think about death? <laughs> that was the original topic of today's podcast, actually. Irrepressible thoughts of death. Irrepressible yes. thoughts of death. Yeah, how old are yeah. you? I'm, I will be 32 this year. Okay, I'm 31. but, like, nice. genuinely, I think it, it started happening right before I turned 37, that you do just get irrepressible thoughts of, of death for yourself. For yourself. It's not. Yeah, it it stopped being about, like, grandparents and everyone else oh. mm-hmm. and you're just there like fuck dude i i'm gonna die sooner than i was born yeah. and like you really do just like you'll just be like cleaning dishes like am i wasting my life cleaning dishes because i could die and it just keeps oh, yeah. like circling that fucking drain i'm like is this gonna be forever is it not only am i like oh yeah my parents die again Grandparents die. My animals die. No, then I'm like, I need to get my affairs in order because if I die, oh my god, she's left they, with that. They have a book at Barnes and Noble that is specifically for like what to do when I die, mm-hmm. and it's a book you can fill out to really? get to, to, so your loved ones can have it when you pass. Barnes and Noble. Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's at Barnes and Noble. <laughs> And like Barnes and Noble because I gotta go. I, yeah, that's amazing. You're like, and it's like this. It's like a wedding planner binder, but it's for death. Yeah. No, I like <laughs> yeah. that. It it really is. Well, yeah. And I was like, damn, that's actually kind of cool. But like, yeah, the whole irrepressible thoughts of death. Like, I'm I'm gonna be super honest because it's something I am comfortable talking about. I've mm-hmm. talked about it in front of large audiences before. Um, I have attempted suicide three times. Wow. So it is definitely like you hit that thought and you're like, well, I mean, it's gonna happen. Mm-hmm. Why shouldn't I be the one to do it? And I think that feels easier because I too have had like suicidal yeah. um, tendencies and ideations yeah. and it feels easier because then you're in control mm-hmm. yeah. as opposed to like the disease elements of it yeah. when you're like, it's, oh, it comes I don't with, get to decide this. Yeah. It comes with the same like symptoms as I've come to find out. Like, like when you, when you need to do a task, when someone's like, like you're you're just sitting there in the day and you're like, hey, I need to vacuum and clean my room. And then you get up to do it and someone comes home and they're like, hey, I need you to vacuum and clean your room. And you're like, I don't want to do it anymore. Yep. Because yeah. now you don't have the choice to do it. You're being told to do it. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I feel like it was like with suicide, it was the same idea of like it was it was I was in control of death. Yeah. Like it but like you can't you can't control death. You can't master death. It it's gonna come for everyone. We can manipulate how and when in certain ways and give ourselves a better chance at, at a longer life, mm-hmm. but you can't change the fact that death is coming. It's going to happen. So mm-hmm. being suicidal, it was, it was a lot of times where it was just the depression got full, full, mm-hmm. full effect. And you just kind of want to go, okay, well, I mean, I could do this and at least I can have a larger part in how I go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then you just, you spiral and you plan and you take all this time to like, well, I could do it this way or I could do it that way. Or then right. there's this option and there's that option. And then you sit there and you're like, am I wasting what life I have left planning how I want to die? Or should I be spending what time I have planning how I want to live? Yeah. I love and that. It's, it's kind of that mind switch of like, you can plan literally almost anything, even up to the last moment, if you're somebody suicidal, but then mm-hmm. you can take that energy and, and plan it towards like, what am I going to do today? Even if it's just something as simple as like, Get in the shower. You just, yeah, you just need to take a shower today. So <laughs> absolutely, but well, like, it kind of reminds me of like um, you know that inter- internet meme where it's just like oh you know it's really sad nothing matters but then you look and you're like 
nothing matters and oh, yeah. excited about yeah. it. It's the same. Yeah. It's almost yeah. the same thing where you're like, okay, yeah. do I just take this energy and actually turn it into something positive? Is there a way to do that? And obviously with depression, it's hard too, because it depends on, I guess, what level you're depressed. I know that sounds really messed up, but like no, chemically, if you have, yeah. you know, a harder time producing those chemicals in your brain to get you to a stable point. You're just chasing the serotonin. Man. You're chasing. Yeah. You're chasing it. Yeah, you're chasing yeah, when it. They say, it gets exhausting. When they say life is a race and human race, some of us are, are literally like the races chase for mm-hmm. serotonin. Yeah. Like yeah. That, is, that is the daily like, if it brings me joy, I will continue to do it. Absolutely. But I like, think that that's also like... It's that whole, obviously, like, with, like, autism and ADHD, like, we all bring different things to the table Mm -hmm. of, like, hey, I think this way. And I think that, like, using that as, yeah, that should be the point of your life anyway is, does it bring me joy? I should chase it. And, like, yes, there is the chemical depression, which is that chasing serotonin. There's also the element of, like, are you depressed or are the people in your life Depressing assholes. Yep. Yeah. And making you depressed. Yeah. One of the greatest pieces of advice I ever got. And it's still something I have to remind myself of, unfortunately, just Mm -hmm. so to put it out there, I'm manic depressant bipolar type two. Mm -hmm. Like I'm non-medicated. I do not go to therapy. I am completely self-sufficient. And a lot of people get scared when I say that, but it's just, I like, I am a person who's like, yeah. If like people are like, okay, well, this is what you need to do to be stable and normal and mental. I'm like, how I am is normal. Like I am an enigma in that I hate my mental illness, but I love who I am. Absolutely. I yeah. hate that I struggle, but I love who I'm becoming. Like it's, uh-huh. it's both sides of everything. So when it comes to like just living life, mm-hmm. it's hard to like be like, okay, well, I want to do better, but I like where I'm at, yeah. but I need to do better. Otherwise, everything's going to fall apart a lot faster mm-hmm. than I need it to. Yeah. So it's it's a, a huge struggle. Um, and then being so far on the spectrum as I am, being manic depressant type 2 mm-hmm. and bipolar manic depressant, it is – it's a wild ride. Like, not, not being on medication. I was when I was a teenager. It – like, everybody knows the feeling. If you've ever been on antidepressants, it's a gray – and I felt great. I didn't feel like myself. It's I had no interest zombie. in anything. Like yeah. I, I lost my passion. Um, I still remember when my dad came into the room and asked me if I could get an erection because <laughs> it was oh one God, of the most really? awkward moments of my life. <laughs> and I will gladly put that on the internet forever <laughs> because he came okay, in. Can I, we say that yeah. that's a really good but parenting? It, no, it was, it was, was like a real, it was a real <laughs> moment. Like my dad came in and he's like, so you've been on your medication for like six months now. And I got to ask you a real question. Like you're a teenager can you still get an erection? And I was like, dad. And he's like, I'm going to take that as a, and I was like, yes, I can. And he's like, I have to ask yes. because your doctor's not going to, and I need to, oh, and we need to make sure that this medication dad. isn't going to make you impotent for the rest of your life. Yeah. He's like, I'm just so, checking. No, dude, just but mentally like, impotent. Yeah, but it's like, yeah. as so that's like a whole nother side of like dealing with depression as a man. Like most of the medication we take has lifelong effects. Mm-hmm. And as a teenager finding that out, three of the medications I was taking can affect sexual drive, oh. the ability to get an erection, like literally just having any kind of testosterone levels. Like mm-hmm. So it also affects women. It's just that because there isn't the external, like, hey, we can yeah. show your like erection, because oh, yeah. there isn't that, it still does it, it does it the same kills thing. The sex yeah. Drive. Yeah. For women, yeah. it has the same like like lifelong effects of it. Oh, yeah. It's just that also the same with the problem with the medical industry is that they don't give a fuck about us. No. So no. they're like, if we can't see that your boner's not working, ladies, we don't give a fuck. 
I hate to laugh at that, but yeah, no, yeah. it really is like that. But like, well, I had it, to, I had to deal with that as, as like a teenage boy, like having to like think about that. And then I looked under the medication that I was taking, and I was like, man, I really probably shouldn't be taking this medication. And then I was in therapy, and yeah. then we did family therapy, and that wasn't working. Mm-hmm. Like, I genuinely believe that family therapy led to my parents' divorce. Um, (laughs) it was, I mean, in the ways it was good and bad, but like we went through therapy as a family and like as, as a teenager getting diagnosed and then stopped going to therapy because we couldn't afford it Mm because we were, we were upper middle class, but then my dad lost his job, couldn't afford therapy anymore. And I've been, I've been raw dogging it since then. Dude, you've been off Uh, leash. That's what (laughs) I say whenever I stop doing therapy. I'm like, I'm off my fucking leash. (laughs) Holy shit. What do I do? But no, it's refreshing to hear someone who has died, you know, been diagnosed and is also making the direct decision to be unmedicated because I personally, I get what you mean. It, everything feels great. It's the weirdest feeling to see something that logically, you know, would make you happy. Like I remember as a teen oh, yeah. being like, I'm seeing a puppy. I should be happy and stoked, mm-hmm. but I don't. And it's weird. It's, it's a genuine disconnect to your feelings yeah. because it numbs everything out. Right. Yeah. And you're like, what the fuck? Like, this is, strange and for me i've been very open and honest about this like at least in my in my experience it was very much a crutch and it helps kind of numb everything out because i was getting to a point where again the depression was just so much and i wanted to die and i was like in order to function and still graduate school and etc etc whatever um i do have to numb out until i feel like i can stand up on my own two feet so it was a crutch for me but when you said like I am struggling, but I also like my life. The struggle for me is still part of the sparkle. I'm like, you're going to get rid of my sparkle? Don't do that. I want to keep it. And (laughs) yes, it's hard, but like, I mean, if you're managing it and it's your fucking life. mm -hmm, Well, I mean, I also have an incredible partner. My wife is, she does incredible work for me. mm -hmm. I have been in and out of jobs so many times and she holds the fort down. She's been doing it for Mm -hmm. always. Um, She's been the breadwinner and it's, it's. It is kind of funny, like, we've talked about it and had conversations where it's, like, she's been the breadwinner for so long and people ask, it's, like, how, like, they ask me directly, they're, like, what is it like having, like, she's the head of the household? And I'm, like, it's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. what's what's wrong with her being the breadwinner? What's wrong with her being the one who brings home the bacon? Like, it's, it's not an issue. People and get weird about it. People really do get weird about it. And mm-hmm. I'm just, like, she's, she is my rock. Like, she's the reason I can do what I do. She's the reason... That when I say I want to stay unmedicated, when I say, like, I will search for therapists in the way that I want to, mm-hmm. um, I will find it when I want to. And, like, the biggest thing, and I, I would love the, everybody in the world to know this, um, <clears throat> when I was at the height of my depression three years ago, when I really was just like, I'm probably going to do something stupid and rash and let the intrusive thoughts win mm-hmm. any day now. And I need to, I need to do something. I got online, started looking at mental health clinics in the area, mm-hmm. where to go, what to do best ones. And Carson Tahoe came up and I remember walking up to my wife. She was fiance at the time. And I was just like, Hey, on Saturday, you're going to drive me to Carson and you're going to admit me into the mental hospital. Mm-hmm. And with no hesitation, she did it. Oh, yeah, she easy. looked at me and said, I love you. If mm-hmm. this is what you need, I will take you. Yeah. And I was in there for a week. Gosh, on my own admittance, but she she was the one who took me, and it's like 
I don't know if any other partner I've ever had or even just any other people in my life would have done that. Like if I'd told my dad, he would have been like, no, you're fine. You, you'll, you'll be okay. Let, oh, totally. Let's go grab a beer and go bowling. Like it would have been that conversation. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, if I told my sisters, it would have been a, oh my God, let's go get ice cream. I love you. What do you want to do today? Mm-hmm. But it's like, I told, I told her and she was like, yeah. you came to this conclusion on your own. This was your decision. I'm going to support you and your decision tomorrow morning. We go. And yeah. she took me and it was probably the best decision I made. And the fact that she supported me on it was mm-hmm. life changing. <laughs> yeah, so. That's beautiful to hear. Cause I think that's the thing is like, that's what you want in a partnership is for someone to hear you and see you and not like make you question your own concerns. Yeah, validate. Yeah. They want, yeah. You want someone to validate you and also mm-hmm. be like, I support you in this decision. Is it going to be hard on the both of us? Absolutely. But oh, this is the right Financially, it crippled us. Totally. Again, like she was the rock. Like I, I wasn't working, didn't have a job mm-hmm. that one week out, and then I ended up quitting my job because of it. Like I still remember talking to a therapist and telling them what one of my managers said to me. Um, I came to work and was just, and this is another thing. Like I used to drink on the job, and mm-hmm. it was bad. Like every day, I'd fill a hydro flask, and it was either Smirnoff Ice or Mike's Hard Lemonade. And then like a Red Bull and V8 splashed on top. And it was every day just to get through the work day. Yeah. Yeah. And I wasn't even a full-time worker. I was there for six hours a day. Mm-hmm. Part-time guy. And I was super out of it one day and my boss sat me down and he was like, hey, like we expect and deserve happy Kyle. Mm-hmm. If you can't not be that person, you don't get to be here at work. And I took it as like, if you're not happy, you don't deserve a paycheck. Mm -hmm. If you're not happy, you don't hold value. If you're not happy, this company doesn't care about you. And I spiraled. Yep. That's what that's she what that's what she went through. That's exactly what um, I went through. Was, yeah. 100%. I I like remember just writing hella angsty poetry, but that's how I felt too where it was like so I I genuinely just felt like a ghost girl and that was like the title of my poetry. I'm the ghost girl and there is this part of me, this huge part of me, and they're the same fucking girl that is angry and depressed and upset, but she doesn't deserve the same amount of love as, like, happy mm-hmm. me, the one that, like, loves the world and loves what she's doing all the time. Mm-hmm. I'm getting emotional. But it's just so hard because that reinforces the whole, like, toxic positivity. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to be happy all the time. Otherwise, yeah. like, you don't matter. And that's fucked. Mm-hmm. That is fucked. <laughs> and I think it's good that you left because, yeah. I mean, that's why we open our own business because where she was only validated if she was happy and that's what they like made it clear it was like hey that's the only you that is acceptable here it's happy fake you Mm -hmm. and the only me that was was acceptable was productive so if i wasn't like i was literally called a cash cow because and in when you're in that cycle like specifically like for us like we were in it so bad Mm -hmm. that we didn't even realize how bad it was until like watching the Barbie movie and being like, oh my fucking God. Yes. That like I said that to somebody else. I was like, yeah, I was literally called <gasps> so a cash cow. I'm sorry. No, I cry on the yeah. podcast it's, a lot. I love crying. Um, and so it's you're so fun. hard because like that's where to me I'm like, okay, yes, I was depressed, but I wasn't depressed because like chemically <laughs> or because of me. I was depressed because the people around me were oppressing me. Oh, yeah. And my body was rejecting this being like, And the so, genuine, like, you oppressing you. Yes, like, you yes, aren't happy the, all the time. Yeah. Who you are is more than just happy. Exactly. And you just feel like they're crushing everything. Yeah. They're like, 
here's this one little spark I have and it's all you care about yep. and you're just literally yeah. crushing me. And yeah, like yeah. everything that is you is only being a worker and that is all we yeah. want is that like you give us the Fuck fattest you. fucking paycheck, you earn the most amount of money and mm-hmm. if you are not doing that, then fucked then, you. Well, yeah. yeah, and you do the most and unpaid then, labor. Yeah, you and, do all yeah. this unpaid stuff and yeah. we're gonna fucking use that against you. And like mm-hmm. now, because like we have, that's why when people are like, yeah, I can't like figure out a job. Like I keep going through jobs. I'm like, because you're ending, you end up in these places that aren't the right fit for you. Mm-hmm. And yeah. especially like being on the spectrum, like so often you have to find your own business to be like, no, I work technically, I work more now, but I also work less because I don't have somebody there being like, hey, you need to fucking do X, Y, and Z and earn me all this money. Mm-hmm. And if you tell a client like, yo, I got to fucking call it quits today or like when we found out Waffles had cancer and I fucking, then I went out, my car was just dead, which Lola has not really done that. And I was like, oh my God, I fucking can't. And I turned it and it was dead. And I just messaged my client and I was like, my car's dead. I'm stranded and I can't. And I knew that I was like, you um, just need to fucking sit and wallow. And when I worked for someone else, I couldn't feel my emotions the way that I can feel them now when I know that I'm like, you're, you need a day to not see another human being. Mm -hmm. And so I was horribly depressed because everyone else told me how I needed to be. Cause I like you, I'm like, I'm not medicated and I have couples therapy, but I don't go to a therapist specifically for me. Yeah. Cause I'm like, uh, what works for me is being like, when I'm high, I ride the high and I enjoy that. And when I'm low, I've learned how to take care of myself. And now I have a business partner that's like, yo, you're good, dude. Yeah. Don't come to work today. The, Fucking. I got the, you. The yeah. scary part is those highs. Yeah. Like, I get that. There were yeah. there were times in my life where it's like, so because of my, because of the way you cycle, mm-hmm. you, yeah. you get it. It's like you hit that high and it's, it's, it's like that irrepressible thought of death where you're just yeah. like, you hit that high and you're like, fuck, this means that there's going to yeah. be a low. Mm-hmm. And you just, and rather than hanging on to the high. You just immediately mm-hmm. tank because you know it's right around the corner. Yeah. And you're just yeah. like, ah. Oh. And it's like, it, and it's not even like it, it creeps up on you. It's just like, as soon as you hit like peak high, you're like, oh my God, I feel incredible. And then it's just like, remember, there's a flip side to this. Yep. And you're just like, no. Ugh. And you just, it's like falling off a cliff. It's <laughs> yeah. not even like taking the same steps back down the no. mountain. It's like you just fall straight off yeah. the edge and you're like, God. And, Mm-hmm. But I think that's yeah. where having that like support system around yeah. you and then especially with like because this fucking culture sucks with working where it's like, oh, yeah. okay, oh, but yeah. if I can't work today, I, I can't, can't work, work today. today. Yeah, literally. yeah, no, it's <laughs> so it, like, and if you tell me the only thing you fucking care about is me the, working. There was a part of me where when I was drinking every day, I was like, what is the difference between me doing this and me taking pills? Yeah, I'm showing mm-hmm. up and doing the same amount of work, mm-hmm. same amount of labor. Mm-hmm. And one of them would either make me less like me in the way that I feel yeah. like. And the other one was an inebriator. Yeah. Alcohol, it slows down the function, slows down the brain. And I'm like, what is the difference between the two? Mm-hmm. I was young and stupid. I would drive home after that. And, and there were a lot of things I was fucking up in life. No, a lot. Totally. And so like, but you, you start to think like, okay, well, if this is going to have the same effect of this, why don't I just do this? Because then at least it's my choice. I'm not being told by a group of people mm-hmm. or a doctor or, or these like, and like, you can and choose when you do people, it or when you don't. Yeah, there's still people who don't understand. Like when I t- say, and I hope you guys get this. I'm sure you will. Mm-hmm. It's like, Doctors can be bad influences in your life too. Oh my like, they can be God! Thank you so much. <laughs> like, Thank it you so much. Me. So many people tell me they're like, "You need to see a therapist. You need to see a doctor." I'm like, they. 
Are people too? They, like, yeah, and they're yeah. flawed human beings. <laughs> yeah, like, and they have biases. Mm-hmm. Yes. And some of them, like the difference, like I still remember explaining to people the difference between like a psychiatrist and a psychologist. Yeah, psychiatrists are, are literally getting paid to push pills. Yeah. psychologists are there to understand behaviors. Yeah, mm-hmm. like. When people are like, oh, you need to see a psychiatrist. And I was like, I will never see a psychiatrist again in my life. I will yeah. only ever do psych. No. I've done behavioral therapy too. That shit wonders. If y'all ever want, like, <laughs> yeah. get in tune with yourself. Do some group, like, behavioral therapy yeah. sessions. Oh, my God. You, the, like, you're just sitting there. And they're talking. And, like, it starts with a guided meditation. And I'm like, so who has feelings about this? And it's like, just put your hands up. We don't need to talk. And you see everybody's hands go up. And you're like, fuck, I'm not alone. Like, you're in a room full of people. And then it's just like, does anybody want to share? Just put your hand up. Mm -hmm. And you're not uh, obligated to share. And then it's like, does anybody ever? And it's just, it's a guided group, like, checking into your own Mm -hmm. body and, like, your own feelings. And then you're sitting there in a group of, like, 12 people. And it's like, who has this feeling and these feelings and that feeling? And, like, everybody's hands are going up. And you're just like... I'm not alone in this. I don't feel like isolated. And those are the people we need to be around. Like, I think it's, we need to have more conversations like that with the people in our lives. And you don't have those conversations with your doctors. Your doctors aren't asking you, Hey, do you ever feel like when you eat a huge cheeseburger that it makes you feel better? Or like that a brownie (laughs) would taste better if you were sad. They're they're asking you the questions of like, Hey, how have you been with this medication the last few weeks? Um, They're asking the questions of like, like when you go on a run, do you feel like oh exhausted God. from breath? And I'm like, those aren't, that's not no. why I'm here. I'm hurting because like my body hurts, but not physically. Yeah, like. Your body hurts because <laughs> your soul hurts yeah. yes. and your heart hurts and you can't fucking like, I understand. Yes, there is like a place for medication, Oh yeah. but also like if it doesn't work, like I never wanted to do medication because I was like, no, if you dull down the highs, to make the lows not as low, you're going to dull down the parts of me that make me genuinely who I am. And like, I can't. So anytime I'm like, that's it. And only when I get really low and I'm like, you know what I would I love? I was a way to get picked I up from love, the bottom. Yeah, I'm like, I would <laughs> yeah. love just just a tiny little boost yeah. up right now. If there like, was a medication that brought the lows up yeah. and not the highs down, yeah. I think a lot of us yeah. would want more <laughs> like, on board with medication. Is, but, like, for me, I found that, like, my trick was to, like, slow those thoughts down. Is like, okay, cool, I'm going to take an edible. Because, like, mm-hmm. for me, an edible allowed me. I just me, started that journey. It, <laughs> yeah. It work. allowed me to then sit in it. So then I'll go and I'll be like, okay, so you take an edible. And then, like, for me, it's the sitting in. Because I'm always around people. And I uh, and I have these yeah. conversations with people all the time. Mm-hmm. So then, like, that in and of itself is beautiful healing. Like That's what I love about, like, tattooing people is that I get to be like, let's talk about, like, all these things that are happening in your life. Let's talk about your depression. Let's talk about, yeah. like. All of that. Let's talk about those irrepressible thoughts of yes, like, yeah, not live here. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Let's talk about the real things because that to me is like my connection with my clients is those conversations. Mm-hmm. Now, not every client is interested in that, but the ones that are like, those are the people that like, we will all just be in the shop having those like, oh, yeah. dude, yeah, it's hard. Having conversations like, that make you that, feel human. Yes. Not just that little piece. You're, yeah. you're the whole you. Yep. And so yeah. then, then when I take, when I get down, I take an edible and, and like, and it happens when I'm really high and I feel like I'm going to come plummeting down. That's when I'm like, okay, so you're going to take an edible and then you're going to ease your way down because it slows that part of me coming down. And I understand that doesn't work for everyone, but what it does. Fall off the yeah. yeah. So then I'm just there just like, like okay. you're still falling. Yeah. You're still I'm falling, like, but, but yeah. like at least there's like, got handles. <laughs> you can say the we. Yeah. The whole yeah. You're just like, at least I'm high, bro. <laughs> <laughs> and then it slows down those thoughts. 
got to your like, hey, I know. And like my it's allowed me to then self like like do therapy like on my own. Mostly I sit in my closet because mm-hmm. it's like a, a tight little space. And I sit in there and I'm like, you just made me feel <gasps> so real. <laughs> my wife knows oh, yeah. when I get super down. Yeah. I will legitimately turn the fan on in the bathroom and lay in the bathroom tub. Yeah. Closed. Like, it's not like I'm going to yeah. get in the shower. It's no. literally just like I go close the door, light off, yeah. fan on, and just mm-hmm. the static sound, and I just lay in the bathtub, and I'm just like, yeah. all right. It does I have to have the tism where yeah. it's like, I'm finally, like, shut away from the world. I have yeah. my own little bubble, mm-hmm. and yeah. that's your guys' bubble. Yeah, I have to have the, the clothes, because they help dampen down, like, the sound of the electricity mm-hmm. and the sound of, like, everything, and then I have very specific lights. I have my productive lights, and then I have mm-hmm. my, like, I need to fucking get in here lights. And I just sit there and I'll either like listen to an audiobook while going through like everything or I listen to a podcast and I'm just like, okay. And then sometimes I just sit there in silence and I'm like, all right, let's think about all these things because mm-hmm. it's because my brain is always racing and so much yeah. that it slows my brain down. So then I'll come down to her and I'm like, I figured out. And it's, then it's some insane yeah. thing that I'm like, I figured out the patriarchy. And she's like, it's, okay. It's those me. moments of slowing it down. Yeah. It's like, it's the way you just said it, like yeah. where you finally have time to think. Cause like the thoughts are there regardless, Yeah, but it's finally so when you have time to address them all and yeah. you can, yeah. you can put your ducks and your geese in a row yeah. because we all know it's not just ducks. No, for <laughs> like for real. Yeah. But yeah, it's that moment where everything just kind of slows down and like, and that's like personally as like as a singularity doing it by yourself mm-hmm. is incredible. And I think that's where, a well, I think of, you need both. Yeah, and I think that's where a lot of human disconnect is, is, like, we don't talk about the sad in, mm-hmm. in groups. Yeah, absolutely. Gener- like, and it's it's what makes those thoughts irrepressible. Yeah. Is mm-hmm. because you don't have a safe place to talk to them with, and you feel like the only place you can have them is in your own mind. Yeah. So you're mm-hmm. stuck with all these nasty, not nasty, but just horrid they're hard and they're hard to get loud and And then people get weird if you talk about it yeah Mm -hmm. so like so it's like we're always we're always avoiding it and yet mm -hmm. it's it's the inevitability of like hey these dark things are are happening around us Mm -hmm. and it's it's a matter of how do we shed that little bit of light onto them so that way the rest of us can be seen Mm -hmm. and it's it's a conversation not many people are willing to have in a group setting most people just want to sit there and be like like they want to do what we do because it helps us self-regulate. Like I'm not knocking what we do at yeah. all. It, it allows us to be in control of ourselves, of our thoughts and get a better understanding. Again, putting everything in a row. Yeah, yeah totally. But it's, it's that idea of like, if you can get in a group setting and talk about it, you just get, it's that outsider's perspective looking yeah. in and they, mm-hmm. they get a chance to look at you and go, Oh my God, like that's why they're not happy all of the time. Yeah. Like they're dealing with this 80% of the time. Mm-hmm. And if they don't understand that, they think that that little bit of you is a hundred percent you. Mm-hmm. And you're like, that's only 20% me, yeah. man. Like 80% of the time I've got like, like my Roman empire yeah. <laughs> up here is my mental health. Like yeah. that it's, it's a war that is ongoing. And it's like, you have to find the right people to have that conversation with and surround yourself with those people. Because then when, when the sad times come and you have to deal with like either, falling down the depression hole or it like just on the topic of death, losing a family member, like mm-hmm. you have people you can talk to because otherwise you just end up sitting there crying alone. And that is an awful feeling. Yeah. But well, that's like, when you feel like you're like, Oh God, I yeah. can't do it. Cause anytime I've, when I've fallen into like that depressive state, the most like cohesive thought in that, that just keeps coming up is that you are all by yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it and it will be easier for everyone else if I just 
end it because then I'm making their whole life worse by being like this. So if I just fucking handle it, their life will get better. And then when you are I able, swear to God, you're pulling the words right out of my own <laughs> You're gonna make me cry, and it is. But that I think that's the thing is that then when you sit down and you're like, hey, we all have those thoughts, mm-hmm. and like when I when last year it got so bad because work was horrendous and I was masking every fucking day, and there was no room for me to put down the weight of all the responsibilities that they just kept fucking adding. Mm-hmm. And then I had gotten into like the slightest altercation with my husband. And it was that last straw of like, I can't fucking do this anymore. Like I'm dying and everyone is just piling everything on top of me. And all you ever want me to be is strong and I can't fucking do it. Mm -hmm. And I like went in my closet and I was like, I'm, I'm going to do it. And then my thing is I would get really practical. So I'd be like, okay, so you can't make a mess because someone's going to Oh my God. And you go through all of that. I'm sorry, I probably just blew the mind. No, you're good. No, I, but you go through all of that. And the then I've do. literally done it. I'm like, I should do it in the bathtub because it's easier to clean up. If I do it outside, then it's a public issue. And like, yeah. the city of Sparse has to clean it up. If I do it in my car, then the car loses value. And it, yes. Like, literally, I'm not and even And that's kidding. what I was like, Dude, and I can't do it Okay, so please then don't feel alone on that. Because I, yeah. like, as soon as you started this, this, yeah. this moment of, of speech, you were literally pulling the words from my head. Because totally. it was like... I've done that where it's, you're sitting there going, what, what would be like the least traumatic? Like, and like, yeah, there, there how, are even days where like, sure people don't, the people yeah. I love don't have to see it, I've, but then yeah. someone else has to see it and someone else has to mm-hmm. clean it up. And I've had to sit and there then, and like have the thought process where I'm like, would it be easier if my wife came home and found me in the tub or if I just went missing? Like yes, what would be easier right. to cope yes, with? Absolutely. And oh my God. And like, I, mm. she did the most perfect thing. Cause I knew that moment I was like, oh, you're, you're going to think I'm you're a psychopath. There. No, it was the best. You'll love it actually. I consider um, myself a sociopath. Trust me. You're not going <laughs> to. It was the best thing because like I knew in that moment moment that I was like my husband and I can speak freely about this because we were talking about this on the podcast um I knew that I couldn't call my husband because I was like he can't hold the weight of this Mm -hmm. and we are so close and I'm so lucky to have her because I called her in and I was like dude this is what's happening like and I didn't I can't when I'm in that place a facility is not the correct place for me to go Mm -hmm. because that's going to remove me from like she was my lifeline so I was like it's going to remove me from you Mm-hmm. And it's going to remove me from my dog. And my dog had also just gotten annoyed with me. So she fucking left. And that's when I was like, you're, you're, gonna, you're trying to love the dog. And the dog's like, look. And she's like, look, I need some space right she's now. Like, I'm, I'm going to quit. Emotionally, yeah. I'm not equipped to handle She's like, this. I am not your lifeline right now. So I call, I texted Callie and I was like, can you please come in the closet with me? Mm-hmm. And um, I was just like, everything, everything hurts and it sucks. And she was like, yeah, life sucks. Yeah, you asked me what the point oh, yeah. of life was, and I was like, sometimes it's 42. just a hurt. <laughs> 42, period. The answer to life is 42. I just wanted to clear that up for everybody listening, and yes. you two, it's 42, it's okay? It's 42, actually. That was the correct answer. Yeah. You're allowed to have an opinion on that, but it's wrong. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. One answer. Uh, and it was, so, it was so freeing to me, because she didn't do that thing of like, hey, I'm going to try to make you feel better. Mm-hmm. She met me where I was, where I was down in that well and I was like I can't get out and there's no getting out and when she was like it just fucking hurts and having having awful. someone who's willing to actually like sit there in the yeah. dark with you rather than just throw the rope and be like pull yourself up but yeah. the best part was is because it was so bad of a fucking answer mm-hmm. it was enough for it to like get me out of pure lizard brain where I was like I can't do this I'm in so much pain I would mm-hmm. rather not be here 
and everything will be better, including their lives. And when she was just like, yeah, it's sometimes the point of life is just to be in pain. I was like, that's the worst fucking answer. In the- yeah. And it was the <laughs> perfect thing to be like, oh, my God. And then we got to talk about that where I was like, this is and I walked her through and I walked the podcast through when we had that episode where I was like, this is all the stuff I thought about, about like how I would fucking nix myself and how like my entire thought process around it of like, I don't want anyone to see my face. That would be weird. So I should put a bag on my face. But then like, what if that's extra weird? Wouldn't you fucking say that to me, bitch? It is is such a trip. Like, I I swear to God, you've you've literally had all the same thoughts I have. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? It is really kind of a trip. And like, so one of the biggest (laughs) things that I've like, I've gotten, like, everybody gets on fights on the internet. Yeah. One of the biggest fights I've gotten on the internet is people are like, suicide is selfish. And I'm like, I don't think you understand that most people that contemplate suicide, including myself and from what I've Mm -hmm. just heard from you, Mm -hmm. one of the biggest reasons we want to do it is to make the lives of those closest to us better. Because we feel we are a burden and it's not, oh, I want to do this so I can feel better, so I can eliminate the problem. It's... Don't get me wrong. There's the way of looking at it as selfish is still a valid way of looking at it. There is, there's, I think it's there a is that, way to but protect it's, themselves. It's though. the idea of, yeah, it's more of a, oh, I'm not doing this because I need this. It's, I'm doing this because you guys yeah. need this. You guys yeah. need to not have me in your life. I am the, I am the infestation. I am the cancer. Yes. I am what is mm-hmm. doling the rest of mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. And I'm not doing this to be a better person or to be a martyr or this is like my, my self-care is taking myself out. It's most of the time people who are really, really struggling and actually either have an attempt or successfully do it is because they are genuinely fearful of the lives of those closest around them and want them to feel better. I saw this beautiful quote on the internet and um, I think Glennon Doyle is the one that introduced me to it, but she, on the topic of like suicide, um, she like knew someone who committed suicide and she posted a reminder to the internet, like, just so you know, you cannot judge those who think that it is safer out at sea when the shore seems more dangerous. You know, the yes. sea being the void of death. Yeah. And a lot of the times when people, yeah, when people commit suicide, she was just trying to give a gentle reminder to the internet, like, please do not judge this person because truly they did think that it would be safer for everyone else on shore for them to venture out. Like, yeah. But I think that so many people... And y'all might disagree with me. People are probably going to come for this. Mm-hmm. I think that people say that it's selfish because a large part of grief is anger. Mm-hmm. And anger is an easier place like to sit in. For most human beings, it is easier to be angry about something mm-hmm. than it is to sit in the actual loss. Oh. So if I blame you and say that was selfish then i can be mad at you so it's that inevitable like if you've ever done like a long distance thing or if you were separated from your parents that starting a fight right before someone leaves because then i won't miss you as much because i'm mad at you so i don't have to fucking think about how much how hurt i am so for me like so many people when we do have those conversations like in the chair that are like it was selfish i'm like that's that's little that's baby you. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. you trying to protect. It's little like little angry you trying to protect your feelings mm-hmm. around this catastrophic thing of this like, holy shit. Now I have to get past. So if I sit in this place of like they made a choice, fuck them. They decided that then I don't have to leave that place to get into the now I have to love them and be sad that they're gone. 
because anger is so much of an easier feeling than a feeling of loss. And I think that's why so many people are like, it's selfish. I'm like, because you don't want to move to that next place of like, damn it. Now I have to just be sad. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or feel guilty. Yeah. I feel like guilt is also an, yeah. Because that's that part of everyone saying, I don't know how we didn't see it. I don't know why we didn't fucking notice it. And you're like, Mm -hmm. it doesn't fucking matter if you did or you didn't. You can't like, you, you know, that's, that like, shit. in the case of, like, your recent, like, loss. Like, there's nothing yeah. you could do. So, it's, like. It, no, it, it was crazy. Like, that getting that phone call, like, to bring to bring that up, just, like, it literally was her dad called. And he was, like, hey, like, Lois is in the hospital. They found something on her lung. And it's, they need to do a biopsy. And then she got to the hospital. And we got the call later that night. And he was just, like, so, ran a CT a CT's, CT scan. Wow, letters are hard. I failed English yeah, three are. times, okay? Um, <laughs> and, I'm dyslexic, so I won't judge you for that. <laughs> and they found that the mass is actually, like, metastasized through her whole chest, and she's there's nothing they can do. And it was to the point where they're like, we're not even going to biopsy it. We don't even need to know if it's cancer or not. Dude. It's it's just, it's going to run its course, and she's got days left. And we went out to the hospital. <sighs> the next day, my main intention was to check on her dad, because... And this is where it gets even crazier. Like, so he moved into four years ago. He lost his mom to COVID. I do that air quotes. Sorry for everybody (laughs) listening. Um, We weren't sure what it was at the time. It was right before COVID hit the States. And when she passed, she was in the hospital. And then she had, I don't know if you guys ever heard of the surge where people who are about to die just suddenly get a huge burst of energy. Well, she had a surge and they got her home. They drove her from Reno all the way back to Fallon Mm -hmm. or Fernley, whichever one's further. I always forget. I think it's Fallon. Um, Whichever. They got her back out to Fallon and the family had all seen her in the hospital. We went out to go see her one more time with Kim's older brother, Dwayne. And Dwayne showed up. We drove out there with him and he saw her. And hours later, she passed. Mm-hmm. Dwayne was the last child that she hadn't seen before yeah. she passed. The home she passed in is the same home Lois just passed in this morning. Wow. Bless. So Kim's dad lost his mom in that house. And then Lois ended up in the hospital. They got her on hospice. They got her back home three days ago. And this morning we find out that she passed. So I am so concerned for her dad right now because he has yeah. both lost his mom and his partner in the same home. In the same yeah. month, too. Yeah. Like, it is crazy how it's just, like, suddenly death is there. And it's it's not even a knock. It is one foot in the door, and it is staring you in the face. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Like, with his mom, it was wild because her last bit of surge, like, she got up out of the bed and was like, I need to file my taxes, and then just fell over <laughs> and died. Like, I, and, I, it, yeah, no, what? it really was. She's it in really that place was. where she's like, like, I read that book. Yeah, I got to do that thing. I know I need to do it. I got to do that yeah. thing. And she literally, like, got up, went to yeah. go move some, some paperwork, and then just mm-hmm. fell over, and that was it. And then with Lois, like, we don't know how she went, but that woman was ornery as fuck. Like mm-hmm. seeing her in the hospital, and this is this is what I'd, I'd love to to talk about because absolutely, it's hard to talk about. Um, she was like a grandmother to me because mm-hmm. I never knew my mom's mom. She died four years before I was even born. My dad's mom lives in St. Louis, and I've only ever met her once. Mm-hmm. And then 
my wife's father, his partner, Lois, was like 20 years older than him, something like that. Yeah. I don't know. I could be wrong. 14, 16, somewhere in there. Yeah. And they were both consenting adults. Okay. It doesn't matter. Yeah, like, I we don't really understand the yeah. big difference yeah. in ages they, where I'm like, as yeah. long as, like, yeah. and they met, they met in AA. So it's yeah. like, it was, yeah. there was a lot of good reasons why they were together. Totally. But she, I've known her for the last seven, eight years that they've been together and she's been not like a mother, more like a grandmother just because of her age. Mm-hmm. And like, come to think that she's like the only like grandmother figure that I've ever had in my life, really. Mm-hmm. And when we went and saw her in the hospital, um, they were only allowing two people in the room at a time. So Kim mm-hmm. and her dad went in first and saw her and then they came back out and then me and Kim went back in. And when she first saw Kim with her dad, she kind of didn't recognize who Kim was. And her dad had kind of told us that like, Hey, dementia might be kicking in too. Mm-hmm. And she was like, Oh, I know you. Hey girly. Hey lady. And like, remembered who Kim was. Yeah. Yes. And then I went back and she looked at Kim and she goes, like, you could see that she checked in, recognized yeah. it was Kim, and then she looked at me and she said, I never thought I'd see you guys again. Oh. And I was like, she knows she's going to die. Yeah. yeah. Like, no, she totally. she knew it. Mm-hmm. And that was, it, it, I almost, like, lost it. And I held a way better composure than I'm doing right totally. now. Yeah. But I know it's like, you don't need to hold that composure. But yeah, she, no. she looked at me and said, I never thought I'd see you guys again. And Absolutely. I had to leave the room. I was just, I gave her a hug and then the PTs came in and she didn't, she didn't recognize the PTs and she started to fall out of it. Yeah. And I was just like, I, I don't know. I told Kim, I was like, I don't know if she really recognized who I was and if she did, I'm glad she got to see us again. Or if she thought I was someone else, in which case, whoever she thought I was, exactly. And that's what I told Kim. I was like, even if she thought I was someone else, I'm glad she got to see whoever that was. Yeah. Because at (laughs) least she, she got to see that person, whether Whether it was the person she thought she'd never see again was me or somebody else. Like, yeah, awesome. And I like, I just kind of broke down. And then me and Kim went and got sushi. And sitting at sushi, I had this, yeah, this realization and cried while eating sushi. And Kim was just like, "What's going on?" I was like, "She's like the only grandmother I've ever known." Yeah, absolutely. And she was awesome. I gotta say this because it's one of the fucking coolest (laughs) stories about her. I will give you a great story about her. Can Um, memorialize her with the epitome of her. Her her home. Before her and my father-in-law moved into the house that his mother died in, Mm -hmm. um, was a trailer, and they built a house over the trailer and then converted the trailer into the kitchen. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Super cool. Yeah. (laughs) Come to find out, she did it all by herself. Oh, my God. Like, she is a bat. She used to be a scrap metal worker. Uh Like, she drove truck. Yeah. Would pick up Cadillacs, break them down, and sell the scrap metal. Like, boss. yeah. Boss ass bitch. <laughs> straight up. Like, straight up boss woman. It was incredible. But if you but, think about that, that makes sense then, like, why oh yeah. your wife is the way your wife is. Oh, yeah. Where it's, like, strong women. But, like, the funniest thing about Lois is one day she had to leave the house and their phone was the old, I'm going to say this and half your half the listeners are going to understand. Phones used to plug into the wall and okay. they came with a long spirally cord. Yeah. You, this bitch yeah. asked me what a fax machine was. Okay. So... <laughs> Yes. The old phone that plugs yes. in the wall and, clicks, and it has phone. a spiral cord. Yeah. I never phone. did the wire thing. I, I okay. was never able so to do that. So that was the home phone that they yeah. had. Yeah. And they had it plugged into the wall. Well, Lois, her cell phone uh-huh. was the like range extender, like little box that you had mm-hmm. that you could plug like a direct dial up into. Mm-hmm. She was about to leave the house. 
And she's like, I got, she had to go into town for something. We were hanging out. She's like, oh, I almost forgot my phone. And I was like, I didn't know Lois had a cell phone. Because <laughs> she didn't. She unclipped the house phone, clipped it in, put it in her purse, and not moments after it goes in her purse, the phone rings, and she just, out of oh, her bag, yes. takes this phone call. And she's like, oh, yeah, I'm on my way. Oh, my her God. fucking cell phone was a house phone that she had. Hooked up to a wireless receiver. No text, no photos, literally just phone calls. God, and this woman walked out of the house with a house phone in her hand, cord into her purse. And she's like, yeah, I'm going to be on my way. It Forever the could do the finger on the, yes. on the yeah. wire. Yep. Like, yeah, okay, I'll be right there. Oh, my That's God. It was crazy. so funny because, like, literally, I just looked like she was like, oh, almost forgot my phone. And then just took the whole phone off the wall. And I was like, what are you what doing? Are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> yes. She's like, this is my cell phone. I just walk out of the house with it. She's like, this is my portable phone. Yeah. See, when it's it plugged into the me. house, it's the home phone. When it's plugged into this, it's my mobile phone. And she's yes. like, oh my God. That is fucking, fucking legendary. And I was like, that. how much do you pay? She goes, I pay $6 a month to have a cell phone. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, we pay 100 for our phones. And she's over here like, I don't need to make phone calls. Why would I need? Mm-hmm. I don't send pictures or videos. She's like, I see everybody I need to see once a week at AA. <laughs> there you go. Yes. <laughs> it's serious work. It was awesome. It was one of the I'm best moments. That. Like when she did that, Kim was just like, she really just like walked out of it. And I'm like. That's a core memory for you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Core memory for both of you. I'm sure. Holy oh, cow. Yeah. We, we still joke about it. Like when every, every time our phone bill goes up. We joke like <laughs> we should just get fucking coded phones in the little receivers. It's like seriously, our cell phone bill last month was like 150 a person. We're just like, God, this is getting ridiculous. Yeah, like, no, totally. But yeah, you can totally. get one of those little wireless ones for six bucks and yeah. just get an old. Make it I don't back. even know if they sell the old ones anymore, but if they do, you can probably um, get one. When we had Throw to get back. a shop phone, it's a proper phone like that. And yeah. I was like, yeah, so we're going to get like a shop phone, which is funny because we don't no answer idea. it. Oh, no. And she's just there like, this is crazy. Like, And we didn't even, we went with like one with the like wireless uh, headset. Yeah. I was like, yeah. Oh my God, my need. sister had one of those. <laughs> the way I would sneak into her room just to steal her phone because I thought I was cool. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> when I had to call my friends, I'm like, seeing my sister's room and take, she had the cool little That's headset. Funny. And then That's my dad fun. would come home and be like, get off the phone. I need to get online to pay bills. Yep. Yeah. That, oh my God. When people would be on, like they, when they'd be online and you pick up the phone mm-hmm. and it would just be that. Yep. And then everyone, not Animal Crossing noises, but similar. Okay. Um, <laughs> Thank you for saying that. But similar. Yeah. No, um, and then your parents would just be like, Yo, I was just doing this all and you just took me out of this chat room. And you're like, Oh, I didn't know. <laughs> so before you could make a phone call, you had to go check the computers to be like, and we wow. had like, we had three computers at that point because my mom was always in IT. Um, but they were all in like what should have been, I'm assuming like the dining room, but like was just three computers. Consuming like, information. Yes. <laughs> so you just had to go and be like, no one's on the computer. Like, Hey, what are you doing? Are you online? I have to make a phone call to like check first. Yep. Yeah. The good old days. I don't know if they were good, but they were the old days. <laughs> yeah, I, That's fucking true. I have no recollection of that. Cause That's because you weren't born. I wasn't there. Yeah. That's what How I'm young are you? I'm 25. Oh man. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> It's I'm weird. 37. It's weird that the age, like literally, like Gen X, millennials, and oh, then yeah. like the one year after millennials, just like a whole different generation. Oh, totally. Yeah. Like I didn't get a cell phone until high school. Mm-hmm. Like when the internet came out, like I'm older than Google. That's a fun mm-hmm. one to think about. When the internet came out, it was like, oh my god! Like we had, I shit you not, dude, we had the box encyclopedia CDs mm-hmm. for the computer. Okay. And so our original home computer was the- like. 
box encyclopedia <laughs> of the books. Yes. We didn't have the CDs. Have, I remember yeah. when they came out with CDs and we were like, oh, wow. No, we had the fucking box encyclopedia books. Yeah. You learned, I learned how to work on cars from books. Yeah. We so learned. you're there fucking flipping underneath the car. Yeah. Like, wait, how do I? The old, you used to have look. to go to AutoZone yep. to get like the manual for your specific yeah. car. And now you can just Google so that nuts. stuff. It's nuts. wild, dude. Yeah. But, no, I grew up in that age. And it, it really is like the disconnect of like seven years, five, seven years. Like one of my roommates is turning 21. <laughs> and oh, oh here, here's a fun one. I saw this online. Here's a good TikTok trend. How do you spell Mickey Mouse? No. Well, this one's dyslexic. Yeah. So it's a little bit harder for her. I'm not spelling shit. You can ask this one. How do you spell Mickey Mouse? Mickey Mouse, M-I-C-K-E-Y space M-O-U-S-E. It's the fact that you didn't sing it. That says a lot. What? Wait, Most what? people either sing it the Mickey Mouse Clubhouse way oh. or it's the M-I-C-K-E-Y no. M-O-U-S-E. And that, oh, my God. You probably, you've never heard that before, have no, you? No, never. So that's the, I grew up in England, so that yeah, yeah I don't so get the, that either. The original, the Mickey, original Mouse Mickey Mouse yeah. was M-I-C-K-E-Y wow. M-O-U-S-E. And then the generation, your generation, knows it as the Mickey Mouse Clubhouse way because that's what they grew up with. Mm-hmm. And I saw it the other day online, showed it to my roommate who's turning 21, and I was like, how do you spell Mickey Mouse? And she sang it the Clubhouse way, and I was like, I've never heard it spelled that he way said, in my life. Ew. And she was like, how do you do it? And I like sang it my way, and she's like, oh, that's so wrong. And I was like, no, it's not. <laughs> Wrong. Like, you said I was, was here my, first. I was like, that was my entire childhood was yeah. like that. We were here first. Yeah. yeah, no, I wasn't I wasn't a part of that. Dang. Yeah, no. Yeah. Well, I mean, okay. I'm part of the Zoomers. What were you going to so say? So we have to wrap up because it's oh, been a minute. Yes, um, no, you're good. No, so okay. we like to end every episode with what your win of the week. I understand you've had a rough week. You, oh, yes, man. you um, have. So you can take a minute to think. So you can start with what your win is. I'll start. My win for this week is learning how to replace my alternator and my serpentine belt and also changing my oil all in one go. Um, I hate doing car stuff, but actually it's a lot of fun. When you get to learn with someone who's really patient. So thank you, DJ Boozy. Special shout out to you. You're really patient with me. And um, it was really cool learning how to do that. Um, (laughs) No, he doesn't listen, but it's fine. Um, He has to listen. His excuse was he listens to us all the time. That's fair. That's real. So he's not going to listen to us when he's at work or away from us. No, I think that's fair. I think that's Um, fair. But um, yeah, that's my win for the week. So um, yeah, I, I wasn't frustrated at myself and I still went for it. So What's my win? What's your win? Um, my win is clearing out our garage so we have a gym again. Hooray! Uh, yeah, I'm stoked. Um, and we got all that done in one day, and I did finally suck it up and get a storage unit. But this shit will not go there to die because that's not my fucking thing. That's my, I'm paranoid about accumulating things. Yeah. But instead, it is stuff that like we do paddleboarding a lot, so we can just go by, grab the paddleboards use them and then put them right back there. So that way we have more floor space in our gym to start training again. Absolutely. And then I did my first training session for fucking years today. Yep. All right. Are you ready? What's your win for the week? I would say I'm going to, I'm going to make it two wins. Perfect. I love it. I'm going to be like a formula one team. I've got two drivers. (laughs) Uh, The first one was I got a job offer at $22 an hour. me, I'm like, that's awesome. Um, no, that's dope. Yeah. The second one is the better one. And that was actually like looking forward to recording this podcast with you guys. Oh. Like a thousand percent. This has been my win. I've been excited ever since I saw you guys pull the ticket. And all week I've been like, man, I'm so, I'm so stoked to do it. And then it really has just been like a roller coaster of like with going through the loss of Lois. And then Absolutely. 
at just everything going on, I'm like, man, I just need to get to Sunday because <laughs> it'll be a, it'll be a fun time. So 100%. recording this biggest one of the week, second place would definitely that. I'm finally back on track to have a job again. Woo! Yay! <laughs> That's so exciting. Thank you so yeah. much for being so vulnerable and open and sharing just everything with us and talking about hard things. We talked about a lot of hard things today. Um, for anyone who's listening, please let us know. Um, what you thought about this episode, question mark, and what your win was, and um, if you also ever have irrepressible thoughts of death. <laughs> yeah. If you do, raise your hand. You're not alone. <laughs> I promise. <laughs> well, um, thank you again for being yeah, on the podcast. Thanks for having me, guys. You. It was I so much it. fun. I, I hope outside of the podcast we can have conversations beyond this. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> we have to. Oh, my goodness. Okay, well. I guess we're logging off. Mm -hmm. Thank you guys for listening. Love you bunches, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye, bye, bye.